Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. You know, I've been talking about earned media value for quite some time on this podcast. My friends at Eisenberg have just raised the bar on earned media benchmarks with their social index. Social Index now gives you globally earned media values across a growing list of six geographies for all your KPIs across the top seven social platforms, Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn, Snapchat, TikTok, Twitter, and YouTube. You can now visualize these values for deeper analysis, and they have a look-back window over two years of historical comparisons. Social Index is updated daily. Don't get stuck with old data. Over 1,000 companies have used the Social Index to understand the ROI of their social campaigns. And if you work with a social agency, you should demand they incorporate earned media values into your reports. Get your earned media value for social content. Visit earnedmediavalues.com slash Allen. Again, that's earnedmediavalues.com slash A-L-A-N. For all of us, it's about predicting where the consumer is going and getting half of it right. One of the things we want to do is create ads that don't suck. Embracing change creates great possibility. I'm Alan Hart, and this is Marketing Today. Today on the show, I've got Lincoln Bjorkman, Global Chief Creative Officer for Wonderman. Lincoln's responsible for the agency's global creative strategy and managing the creative process across Wonderman's network. Lincoln leads over 2,000 creatives representing a diverse spectrum of disciplines, channels, and crafts. Today on the show, we talk a lot about teams and how they're constructed, what creativity looks like in today's world, and how design has changed. Well, Lincoln, welcome to the show. Thank you very much for having me. I've never done this before, so I'm pretty stoked. It'll be fun. It'll be fun. All right. So I know you're the Global Chief Creative Officer of Wonderman, but I would love to know, what does a Global Chief Creative Officer do? The short answer is you do a little bit of everything all the time, and you never know what that little bit of everything is going to be. On a bigger level, if I was speaking in front of creatives trying to explain the role and what they may or may not want to aspire to someday, you take good care of the brands, the agency brands strategy and our creative process across the globe. You're responsible for the overall creative product. You certainly don't do it by yourself, but you definitely are looked to to be kind of the guide and the go-to person to say, what are we doing well creatively? What are we not doing well? How can we improve? And that never stops. 
and you're, you know, you're really on the hook for the brand's creative reputation and for the kind of work that we do, aspire to do, and getting the right people together to do it. And I'll add one more thing with that, which is one of the I'm most proud about probably within the Wonderman Network is we're a large global agency, 170 plus offices in 60 plus countries. And we have worked really hard to build a, a very, very strong global creative network where the creatives from all over the world collaborate and work together and communicate on a very regular basis through video conferences, phone calls, in person. And building that for me is a key part of this job and something that, you know, I think you know, all agencies should do, regardless of how big or small you are, if you have multiple geographies. Interesting. Well, so Wonderman stakes their claim on this phrase called creatively driven, data inspired. What does that mean? I mean, there's a, as you can imagine, there's a lot, lot going on in the marketplace, consultancies moving in, agencies moving into the consulting world, there's a data people, there's creative people. I'm curious, it's carefully crafted, creatively driven, data inspired. What does that mean? Thank you. And you're right. It is carefully crafted. I like the carefully crafted part when you say that. And, you know, selfishly, you know, creatively driven comes first in that phrase. And it means we're driven to do the best work for our clients. And when we say creatively driven, we don't just mean sexy work. We mean work that works hard, that gets people to do things, that drives measurable results. All of that is what we're driven to do. And the second half of that phrase is a nod to, you know, what you're saying and to Wonderman's history, since this agency was started by, you know, Mr. Wonderman in the 50s, we've always been about data and how we can use information to advance what we're trying to do for brands and their customers. And now, you know, we've had 2.0 or a 3.0 and the possibilities that involve data. And for Wonderman, we wanted to make sure that people understood nobody we think, I think, is better than that at that, at working with data, managing data, leveraging data, and using data to inspire what we do for our clients than we are. And, you know, we have an extraordinary data capability, which means we have, you know, a billion files that are proprietary that we use with people like Facebook in partnership and collaboration, and they're proprietary to our organization. And not just having those proprietary files, but the expertise over many, many, many years and decades means, you know, we're really good at this. And we're very cognizant of what brands or competitors like Accenture and everyone else, what they're doing and aspiring to doing. And we want to make sure people get, we're really, really good at this when it comes to driving what brands are trying to achieve. And so we're talking a lot about data. And I guess I'm curious what the digital transformation and sometimes I hate using that word because I feel like everything's <laughs> digital now. Yeah. But, you know, what has what that meant for your role as a creative executive? And more, maybe more importantly, you know, what's been the impact on your teams over the years? Well, you're, you're right in the first thing you said, that phrase, digital transformation. The transformation, you know, has happened. I mean, everything touches digital. I don't believe there's anybody out there working in our space or anywhere, really, that's not profoundly aware and leveraging something in the so-called digital space. It's now the air we breathe. So, you know, that transformation has meant, you know, everything in the creative role. If you want to be a successful creative or work in any industry that involves anything with creativity, you have to change. I mean, you have to change and grow and learn all the time. You cannot ever be set in your ways. You have to master new tools, new disciplines, and 
for me, what I tell you know my teams all the time is we have to partner better. We're not allowed, we can't get away with that creative silo where you can throw a brief over the transom and we go make the magic happen and give it back to you and say, ta-da. It's really, really important that we work together. So I'm, you know, I'm best friends with my data partners and my planning partners, as well as the more traditional partners, but, you know, and outside partners, the Facebooks and the Googles and Adobe and others, where we have to be able to draw on them, partner with them, listen to them and be listened to by them. You have to have all of that and, and everything else if you want to be successful. So as an example, you know, when Amazon brought out the Echo, which is, you know, certainly a harbinger of what's happening now and things to come, I went out and bought one instantly because I wanted to know right away what this new form of AI was going to be, how it was going to impact our lives, how well it worked. Did I like the voice? How did it compare to Siri? And then, you know, I went out and bought Google Home and put that upstairs in my house. I wanted to see what they were doing and how it works relative to everybody else. And you just have to constantly be open to, you know, learn new skills and try new things if you want to really make it through this in one piece and really add value as a creative. Right. What has it done to your teams? I mean, it's a, it's a cadre of skill sets that you need to, to tackle all these different things. It, the teams, two things. One, the teams change a lot. We bring in a lot of new people with a lot of different skills. So the teams evolve, the skill sets evolve. User experience used to be a nice to have, and now it's you know critical to what we do. Having people who are passionate evangelists for AI and ML in-house, not outside, are critical to what we're doing. And teams have had to learn how to incorporate all this, plus social and mobile and you know, responsive design and everything else. So it's impacted how teams grow, the kind of talent we hire when someone leaves. Typically, if someone leaves, we probably don't replace them with someone who looks exactly like them. We probably will bring in someone who shares some skills and background, but more likely than not, is someone who's bringing something very, very different to that role on a team or an office. And like I said, it, it never stops. That growing never stops. And that hunt for new points of view, new skill sets, it, you know, is critical to us being successful. Interesting. So how, you know, the customer experience is a big topic. You know, I'm curious how you see the, the role of creativity in customer experience, because a lot of things I read and, and even clients that I talk to seem to be focused on removing friction points. So essentially making that experience suck less. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and there are some progressive ones, obviously trying to design something new, but I'm just curious, how do you creativity in trying to solve those customer experience challenges or opportunities? Well, I, I think, you know, you, you did hit on, you know, on part of it. We're always trying to remove friction. As I mentioned a minute ago, you know, talking about the rise of user experience, if you're going to play in a digital space, certainly when we, are doing our job and creating, we're working really hard to make sure that the user experience along the way to getting the kind of action we want from customers and engaging them in the right way and establishing that sense of what we call wantedness, you know, where brands have to think more like loyal brands and they have to establish for people that they are, you know, profoundly wanted in the brand experience. We're not trying to sell them or sell at them. We want people to look at us and go, oh, I'm clearly wanted by that brand. And when you are able to achieve that kind of wantedness, I think it removes friction and you get better engagement and better results. 
And at your peril, you will not take a hard look at any given moment on what exactly is the experience you're creating. Now, the advantage for creatives, you know, we can do that in ways that are fun and unexpected and surprise and delight people, but we always are cognizant of what kind of user experience, customer experience we are creating. Does it sound right, look right? And by the way, is it authentic? Is it credible? Do we have you know, a reason for doing this? And can we legitimately be in that space? Which was talking about Amazon, You know, it was a bold thing when they brought out the Amazon Echo. Who needed that? Everyone thought. And that's why I was very, very interested and got it right away. And you know, lo and behold, the same thing that was said about iPads back in the day. Why do we need this? And now my family's talking to a box and listening to Alexa speak to them on a regular basis. And we're ordering things and turning on lights. And, and all of a sudden, you're like, okay, there's a, there's a lot of work to be done. But wow, the customer experience is expanding. And we got to be right there with them, offering something that they want, that they enjoy. And we'll hopefully you know, get them to be involved in the things we want them involved in. So kind of transitioning a little bit, has been in a creative leadership role for many years. Has your view on design or or the discipline or the craft, if you will, has that changed over the years at all? Yes. I mean, everything's changed. I think my, my view on almost everything has changed, not just because of age and time and role, but because of the profound changes in the world and how rapidly those changes happen. What hasn't changed is you know, we all know the brands that we can count on to believe in this is that great design, whether that design is industrial design, logo design, experience design, excellence in that is, you know, is always at the forefront of our mind and always both admired and, and strived for. But I think now everyone, but since you asked about creatives, you know, we all bear in mind, I think the bar is much higher than it used to be. I don't think you can get away with a lot of the stuff that people got away with not even five years ago or two years ago. Now you have to think about literally the voice of a brand. How does it sound? How well can it understand my voice when I speak back to it? What is the, you know, the quality of the design? You know, Apple, Tesla, Shinola have all set these extraordinary bars for what design can be and how it's expressed and its authenticity. If you want to play, you need to be very, very cognizant because there's, there's no excuse anymore. With 3D printers and everything else, there's no excuse for poor design. And as I said, so therefore, when you think about all the places we have to think about now, mobile devices, social media, the importance of imagery and pictures, which is near and dear to every creative's heart. We all love the visuals, but now we're seeing, you know, everybody's capable and has the tools in their, on their phone, in their phone, however you say that, to create brilliant, brilliant photography. And, you know, the bar just keeps going up and up and up. So my point of view that it's important and is hasn't changed at all when I talk when you talk about design and craftsmanship. But the bar is up and I think agencies were very cognizant of, you know, the expectations run very, very high. And as I said earlier, we need people on our teams who are willing to play at that level. That's quite the challenge. Is there are there tools or, or methods that your team uses to try to tackle those complexities and just the breadth of it in general? Yeah, there definitely are. We kind of we, we were we've been thinking about this that question for a while now. And about two years ago, at the behest of Mark Reed, who runs Wonderman, 
we took all these things that we wanted to do, needed to do, and tried to pull it together and codify it into a, a way of working that we ended up calling collision. And it's something that we spent two years creating, training our entire global network. And it boils down, I'm going to oversimplify it, but it boils down to the idea that the only way we'll be successful in all the things that you and I are talking about is to create a way of working at Wonderman across our network so that from the beginning, when we talk about data inspiration, we're looking at the raw data, the raw information or a raw brief, that we have all the right people in real time. So your data folks, your planning experts, your creatives, your account folks, project management, pick it. We get these really hardcore teams early, early in our process or way of working. And then we break down all the tools that we have at our disposal, data tools, customer journey tools, online tools, research tools, focus group tools, whatever we got, internal and out, even partners that we should be bringing in. And we've now got it down to a, as much science as art and a way of working so we can move fast, but make to make sure that you know we have bring a discipline to bear so we can save a lot of time, make sure we're not avoiding or not using tools that can really help, questioning each other, but collaboratively getting to ideas and insights faster, executing and getting to big ideas that are more informed by data and information and the marketplace and culture, and then building things that, and again, you've set me up wonderfully here, but building <laughs> things that can be well-designed, tested, and then put out into the marketplace. So not only can we see if they're working, if something's working, we can pour more fuel on it and make it better. And if it's not working the way we wanted, adjust it and we build for that. So that collision process, which is now fully operational across Wonderman, has been brilliant in making us better and making us faster. And obviously, you know, we hope we get we can do it a little bit more cost effectively or a lot more cost effectively. But most important, we can leverage it and with credibility. And we do bring our clients into that as well. I should have mentioned that right away. We bring them into this process and way of working. And we think we get to things that, you know, everyone is saying, yeah, that is world-class, the best, smartest, most effective way to come at this challenge. And it's been thoroughly vetted. We know it's coming from data and research that makes sense. So we don't have to put it out in the marketplace and say, geez, I hope it works. And I hope customers like this experience and respond. We're way past that. We're not trying to guess. So it's that methodology and way of working is built on all the things you've been asking about. Right, right. I'm curious if we go just a little bit further there, because it's really interesting with the multidisciplinary and, and the global offices. I've experienced this. I don't know if you have, but I've experienced this notion of if a team gets too big, it starts to have paralysis, right? It's hard to move forward. It's hard to make a decision and, and get things produced or, or iterate. You know, is there an ideal node, if you will, <laughs> of a team? And, and then is that, are you operating sort of in a, a node team and then satellite teams? I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. 
Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... All right, I'll do. It. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. How does it just functionally, like operationally, how do you guys manage that aspect? I kind of like that node satellite thing you're talking about. That's pretty cool. Yes, I think most people would agree that when it comes to distilling down to a great insight or and a great idea, smaller is better. And that was one of the things in Collision where we want expertise, we want collaboration, but you don't want a hundred people. You know, you don't necessarily you know want ten people when you're really in that what you call it a nodule, but that when in that in that crucible of time. You know, what we're looking for is, I always talk about the Higgs boson and the God particle and the, and the accelerators. And what you're trying to do is literally get these, you know, just the right things in place, not too many of them, but accelerate it, push them together and put them in that crucible. And that's where we think great things happen. Once you get to some key places, when you've got all those data experts and they can really distill something for you. You know, then we expand out to your point to the satellites. So once we get to a great brief and a great insight, once the data folks have done something, they'll distill it for us and we'll keep you know that data expert throughout the process. But then I can put a brief out to the, the global network. And the the right the you know or a compelling idea might come from Buenos Aires, we might come from Lima, Peru, London, Moscow, South Africa, Chicago, New York, or Toronto you know, or somewhere in Asia or Sydney, Australia, but we can open it up because this process has allowed us or this way of working has allowed us to distill it, get it to a place where we can get really great, but very differentiated minds looking at it. And then to your first question, you know, what do I do? What other creative leaders do? We get all that back and then we don't let it become a cluster. We look at what people are thinking about and we start plucking out the best things and then we'll take it back to that core team and say, look at this. Look what Sydney did. Look what Shanghai did. Look what Buenos Aires and Chicago you know, or New York did. And then we'll bring it back to that core nodule, as you put it. And then when we find out what we think will really, you know, is really rocking our world, then we might go out to satellites. And those satellites might include Facebook or Google or Adobe or somebody else, you know, or iHeartMedia or Pick'em. And we'll say, we've got this idea. What do you think? And we try to do that as early as we can so we can get to something that will, you know, really break through in the channels we're interested, et cetera, et cetera. And I should have, by the way, and if anyone's listening from my media partners, I neglected in that list of people off the top of my head to say our media partners are incredibly important in all of this as well. So what is the, what's the biggest design challenge today in your mind? Could be anything. There's a couple of things that come up. One of the biggest is so many of the things that we design have to work in so many different places. It started out as responsive design, right? It had to go from laptop to mobile to maybe an iPad. But now you have to design visually. You have to design for voice. You have to design for, you know, coming soon. What's it going to be like in the car app when the OS, you know, starts really launching in cars in a meaningful way from Apple or anyone else? 
we have to design you know in so many different areas at once with equal efficacy and power so that has logistical challenges just you know resizing reshaping recreating knowing where people are going to be getting the the piece of creative and interacting with it so that one right there is a constant that only keeps expanding consumers aren't letting go of any of the tools that we've all come to know it seems like they're adding to them and just shifting the balance of power maybe but you know it'll, it'll be interesting to see what happens when cars become really more engaged with these operating systems as an example so we're gonna really have to you know think about what that does as an example so that's probably the biggest design challenge aside from the bar is really high if you start spending time with Tesla, Shinola, obviously Apple's always brought up, but anyone who cares about what they are making for their customers, I think the bar at scale is very, very high. It used to be easy to find bespoke brands and little things, but now I think customers are growing up knowing I expect my backpack, my shoes, my belt, you know, my pen, anything that I have around me. I think consumers have a heightened awareness now of, of design, and that certainly is true in our business with user experience and the quality of the materials that we produce or the things that we execute, and nothing's immune to it. I mean, emails have to be brilliantly designed. A piece of online content has to be beautifully designed, and it's wonderful. I mean, it's, you know, but that can make things, you know, more timely and more expensive, and, you know, we're very accountable for those things as well. So that's really the biggest challenge. I mean, it's also a big part of the fun. Yeah. Well, I want to transition. I love to get to know the person that I'm, I'm meeting here on the show. And I love this question of what experience in your past do you think defines or makes up who you've become today? That's one of those great broad questions, isn't it? <laughs> I think there've been a couple of things. If I go way back, I've been the beneficiary of great teachers my whole life. And that started for me in school very early on and one or two teachers in particular who really taught me the value of caring and listening and kindness and you know, all the great values you'd hope you'd get from a real teacher. And it made me very early on, I hope it made me in my own way a, a solid teacher, but it certainly gave me a realization that there's a lot to learn from brilliant, talented people. And so as I moved into grown-up business life, I had brilliant clients, brilliant partners inside and outside the agency. And I've been very much a beneficiary of their largesse. You know, John Hayes, a great CMO at American Express, taught me an awful lot. And someone who worked with him, who now works at Verizon as the CMO there, Diego Scotti, and they both have taught me an awful lot as examples of clients who, beside, you know, aside from working with them, just they always took the time to get me deeper into their approaches and their brands. And I'm, you know, extraordinarily grateful for that. And then in the agency, I've had great colleagues. And I feel like I've been very lucky in my career that I've had very, very interesting, compelling, challenging clients, our clients, colleagues rather, who it's great inside an agency because they never let you off the hook, usually with very salty <laughs> language. I don't know what this is airing, so I don't know what language I can use, but I'll say it. they always call you on your bullshit and it's always done in a very amusing way and often very clever ways. But 
that you know all goes back to I think you know, where I started with teaching that people who are willing to take the time to call you on your nonsense, inform you, teach you, look forward to you getting better. That has easily been what's made me the best parts of me today. They're all sorts of awful parts too, I'm sure, but but the best parts of me. There's a narrative thread that goes through from people who've taken the time to teach me or be great colleagues with me. What fuels you? What makes you get up in the morning? I have twins who are going to college, so that that's a big <laughs> one. Yeah, that is a big one. And that would have been my other answer, by the way. What defines you and makes you? It's like raising twins would do that as well. It's the same answer, and I think it's one I hear from creatives all the time, that it's who I get to work with. If you're a creative, you know, we always say we play. Can't help it. That word always pops up. And yeah, we do it professionally, but it is such a collaborative industry that I don't like to work alone or in a silo. I thrive on people and interesting people and challenging people. So what gets me out of bed every day, even when I know it's going to be a hard day, I'm very mindful of the fact that you know, someone out there is going to rock my world a little bit, challenge me, or just inspire me by doing something that I can't do or showing me something I've never seen. Knowing that that happens often in our business and with what I do for a living, that definitely gets me going every day. Well, what brands, you know, companies or causes do you personally follow or you think other people should be taking notice of? And I'll give you a pass because I know all your clients are great. Ha! So <laughs> <laughs> They are. I know. So, yeah, look, obviously, uh, you, you don't work in this business without getting deep with your clients. And we follow all of them for different reasons. But certainly... Microsoft, Shell United, T-Mobile, et cetera. We deeply follow them and we're heavy users of what they make. And so that matters a, a great deal and you'd be an idiot not to know and be deeply involved. So we, we stalk them. We don't even follow them. Outside of the client stuff, when I think of what people should take notice of, I'm always looking right now for where are the innovators? Who, who are doing the best hacks? I was blown away. It was very timely, obviously, when Black Lives Matter did the unsafety check with Facebook. And I, I think that was JWT who did that, maybe, if I'm remembering properly. But what a great hack of the Facebook experience. And and it was timely and provocative. And and then you can, you know, you can point to Fearless Girl or you know, any of these things where I'm like, wow, somebody really did something that was innovative and kind of a hack on the norm. And so I think all of us on the creative side at Wonderman are always looking to see who's doing that unexpected hack of something where we end up with something incredibly unexpected and powerful and where we say, I wish I'd done that. And with brands, I personally am watching Tesla and Shinola and, and obviously Apple, maybe not obviously, but you know what Apple does. And in contrast you know, to them, I want to see what all their competitors do, whether they're clients of ours or not. And I certainly am also taking note of what people are reading. Every year about this time, I go online and look at what colleges are asking incoming freshmen to read. That usually helps you find some interesting stuff, articles, poems, books, but it's things that I want to know what that group, you know, the next generation that will be out in the workforce soon, but are driving culture. I want to know what they're reading and thinking about and what's occupying their headspace outside of the obvious. And then very personally for me, I love film. And I love the fact that what I, all the things I love about film, that you know, Netflix and Amazon and Apple and others have hacked that and created a very 
interesting, compelling space for artists to work in, directors, actors. So now all of this great content and all this really exciting innovation that I used to associate only with film or mostly with film, now I, you know, I find myself not binge watching for the sake of binge watching, but there is so much incredible, brilliant work being done on different platforms as far as, you know, consumer cultural content. And I'm freaking out about Game of Thrones every week, like everybody else. And I read all the books before the show and I said, I'm a nerd, but I'm fascinated. I'm just starting Ozark and I want to see what Jason Bateman has done that has everyone looking at him differently right now. And on and on it goes, just really, really exciting. So I, among all our creatives, we share that stuff with each other all the time. Great. The last question, what do you think the future of marketing is going to look like? It's going to look very different than the way it, you know, it looks now. We've got virtual reality and AI and ML and everything else. And the competitive set is changing with Accenture and IBM and not to mention, you know, Google, Facebook and everyone else are great partners and great hackers and great instigators. And they're all this innovation. I shouldn't put Amazon and Netflix in there. They're all pushing and pushing and pushing along with us. And the future of marketing is going to be, I don't think anything is safe. A car is not safe as far as how that's going to change. And that purchase decision-making process is, is going to change. The experience in the car is going to change. What powers that car is going to change. What our homes look like, what a smart home looks like, what a phone is going to look like and act like. And is it going to be about typing texts anymore or how long before it's Star Trek and we're just talking? And that's a profound change. We always think handwriting was weird when handwriting kind of died and typing and texting took over. But what about when it's all about voice recognition? And then what does that mean for the algorithms and AI that drives that? And what does that mean for what I do for a living? The changes are going to be profound. And I think someone is going to quickly coin a term for the same way. I, I can't remember off the top of my head, but that theory about it, every how many years the, the chip, you know, chips are half the price. Yeah. Yeah. twice as fast. And I think in our business, every two years, we're going to find that our business moves twice as fast, has you know four new channels that are priority, and customers are going to be five times as savvy and 10 times the expectation set from us. And which is very exciting, but it means, as my boss would say all the time, Mark Reed always says, great, great job. We have a lot more to do. <laughs> and it used to drive me insane, but now I've kind of embraced it as a mantra. And it's been a very good thing to have someone who's constantly challenging you that way because I don't want marketing to go away and I want agencies to add a lot of value. And it will only do that if we have someone looking at you saying, that's great. What next? Let's do more. Let's make it better. Great. Well, Lincoln, thank you so much for coming on the show today. Hey, thanks for having me. It's been a pleasure. Marketing Today is brought to you by Atomic. Atomic focuses on unleashing the growth potential for clients we serve. Atomic is a strategic consultancy specializing in business, marketing, brand, and innovation. Our singular goal is to help you accelerate your efforts with the right mix of expertise, analysis, and creativity. Check us out at atomic.com. A-T-O-M-C-K.com. Hi, it's Alan again. Marketing Today was created and produced by me with project management by Sarah Williams, audio production by Aaron Campbell, writing and editing by Kevin Greeley, social media support by Megan Woods, 
art and graphic design by Sarah Dell. If you're new to marketing today, please feel free to write us a review on iTunes or your favorite listening platform. Don't forget to subscribe and tell your friends and colleagues about the show. We love to hear from listeners at info at atomic, A-T-O-M-C-K dot com. I'm Alan Hart, and this is Marketing Today. Marketing Today.